You're listening to Ship History Radio from the Steamship Historical Society of America. Through recording, preserving, and educating, our mission is to share the impact of engine-powered vessels, their crews, and their passengers with future generations. To learn more about our organization, visit us online at sshsa.org. My name is Brian Lucier, and I handle membership and public outreach for SSHSA. On this episode, we take another trip into the collections with archivist Astrid Drew and assistant archivists Heather Kasilowitz and Tessa Mediano. Together, they delve into a trio of scrapbooks with some unique histories. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, and welcome back to the Steamship Historical Society's podcast. My name is Astra Drew. I'm the archivist, and I'm here with my assistant archivists, Tessa Mediano and Heather Kasilowitz. And today we're talking about scrapbooks. Uh, it's something that uh, you may have in your own family collections or archives or tucked away in a box in your attic or your basement. They can be really interesting documents and interesting materials that provide a lot of information and, and cool stuff about either family history or a particular moment in time. They can also be kind of a nightmare to preserve. So today we're going to be talking about some of the scrapbooks that we have here in the Steamship Historical Society's collections and uh, what we think is super cool about them and also what is annoying about them. <laughs> so I will hand it off to Tessa to begin. Well, I can't let a conversation about scrapbooks come up without mentioning John Lipton Lockhead, who I think was the most prolific scrapbooker in the history of the organization, <laughs> which is really saying something because people love to create scrapbooks. Lockhead, just for some kind of background on him, he created over 200 scrapbooks in his lifetime, starting from when he was six years old, which is really remarkable. He's kind of a born documentarian, in my opinion. And he grew up in Winthrop, Massachusetts, which is on the coast. And he grew up across from this family that would often entertain these captains from the Cunard line and Leyland line. So he would go over there and hear their stories, their adventures on the seas, and became kind of obsessed with all things nautical. So the first scrapbooks he created were in 1916, and they covered naval affairs during World War One. And then after the war ended, he moved on to just creating scrapbooks on general maritime interests. These scrapbooks contain clippings, photographs, postcards, um, letters, notes, all sorts of stuff. And they're actually in pretty good condition, which is great news for us because, as Astrid mentioned, scrapbooks can be kind of messy to deal with and have a lot of preservation concerns. Lockhead, after he came of age, he eventually joined Eastern Steamship Lines and worked as a purser aboard the boats. So he was in charge of the finances of the ship. And then during World War II, he actually enlisted in the Navy and served as a Yaoman on the USS Susan B. Anthony. A Yaoman, for those who do not know, which I did not know before I found <laughs> out about it, a Yaoman is basically a clerical role on the ship. So he would kind of like recorded events on the boat. If the captain or other officers wanted someone to dictate letters or memos, he would be the person who would do that. So I wanted to focus on the scrapbook he created, which was uh, a Yaoman's file of the African and Sicilian invasions, because the USS Susan B. Anthony actually participated in the invasion of Sicily in northern Africa during World War II. The scrapbook is in good shape. Everything's kind of enclosed in plastic sleeves, and it contains all sorts of 
cool memos with cartoons from the ship that were published aboard the boat. It includes letters from when Lockhead was on shore leave. It includes kind of top secret information, actually. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I was surprised that that has, like, he was allowed to compile that. Yes. I wonder if if he did it in secret or, like, what the what the deal is there. It's pretty... Well, I'm pretty interesting that, that it's too. that it exists at all. <laughs> I agree. I don't some stuff actually did happen in secret because there is this one memo that basically detailed the entire plans for the Sicilian invasion. Oh wow. It's called Operation Husky. And this memo it says in uh, red stamp right at the top, not to be taken ashore. And there's actually this handwritten note from Lockhead contextualizing it. And I'll read it out for you. So he says, quote, the captain dictated this to me. I made the stencils and mimeographed it, put it together. So I felt I rated a copy, one of only four or five not destroyed. They were given out and then recalled. So he saved this. And if we're to believe him, it's one of only four or five copies that survived of this memo detailing Operation Husky. That's really cool. Yeah, it's super cool, right? Like I said, he was just a born documentarian. He loved collecting stuff. He loved sharing his experiences and collecting stories from other people because in the scrapbook there are accounts of the invasion that um i think the captain or or some officer on the ship had him write out so Mm. he took these accounts down so there's really a wealth of knowledge in here yeah crazy i mean uh i want if anybody is listening that has particular knowledge of world war ii history and can offer any insight into some of what we've been talking about, please feel free to get in touch, info at sshsa.org. So yeah, that's a particular example of one that's in very good condition, very like meticulously put together. Heather, what scrapbook did you want to highlight today? Well, I am vexed by a donation that we received that has a mysterious past. Mm-hmm. And every time I go through it, maybe sometimes when I should be focused on something else, <laughs> but I'm going through the scrapbook and every time a different layer pops out, what it's documenting, it at first appears to be two cruises that happened in the summer of 1915. They're on the ward line and they provide the passenger lifts. So at first blush, you're like, oh, okay, just another cruise scrapbook. Interesting in and of itself. Here's my trip to Havana. Yeah, yeah, right? And we've all kept scrapbooks like that. I mean, now that my sons are older, um, I can think back of their baby books and our vacation books. Yeah. But this one almost strikes you as something different. You're not really sure who created the content in this. What I mean by that is who pasted it all together. It's meticulously put together, much like Lockheads. But at the same token, there's this bright white captioning under each of the pictures. There are interesting poems that are written out. This is a combination of photos, and quite a few of the photos almost seem like they're promotion by cinematographers. So... After you check out the physical description, you know it's a 50-page, black paper, tied, bound scrapbook. The, the cover's in great condition, almost too good of a condition for being this old. But when the donor gave it to us, they said they knew they purchased it through an auction with a larger batch of stuff, but they didn't know anything specifically about this scrapbook. There's vivid 
postcards that illustrate their tour. There are some snapshots that are taken. But there was this information that promotes the Williamson brothers. Well, if you know anything about the movies Terror of the Deep, 30 Leagues Under the Sea, maybe, the brothers took an invention that their father made. And he decided that the best way to have someone underwater, because he was a captain, was to use something that looked like a big tube so that the person walking on the ground could still breathe. The Williamson brothers then augmented that by adding a spear that people could sit in with an actual camera at the bottom of that tube. What ends up happening is they really go to town and it's documented by other historians that they were the first to take moving pictures underwater. And (laughs) when you start researching it, one of the first scenes was Ernest Williamson fighting a shark in real time (laughs) that was baited by fresh horse meat. And they actually explain how the, you know, the horse was killed for some other means, but they took the opportunity to use that horse meat to track this shark. And then sure enough, in the best publicity stunt I think I've ever heard of, he then goes and kills the shark. And there are pictures in the scrapbook. Yeah, some of them look like they're professionally done and others look like they're taken by a tourist. Hmm. I keep coming back to the question, was this compiled while this happened or right after the cruises happened? Or was this compiled maybe by even a loved one or a descendant? that found all this material and then put it together. My suspicion is the latter. They're consistently pasted down, beautiful writing, and very well curated. But I don't know if we're ever going to figure out the solution. And I don't know if I'm ever going to get the rest of my work done because I keep looking at the scrapbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, that scrapbook has really become a very interesting object because you're right I had the same sort of encounter with it when we first received it it was just like oh and I think it was even kind of described to us in that way yeah. when the donor offered it to us he's like yeah it's it's a scrapbook of steamship travel and um and we have you know we have several of those of varying kinds and quality but it turns out that it has this historical significance that we really didn't anticipate about Hollywood and and early motion picture development and just really, really fun surprise for that one. The one thing I found the most interesting is everyone who is into steamships and knows our organization knows the value of a passenger list. So two different passenger lists are included. There's no overlap in any of the passengers to signify the same person traveled on both cruises. Therefore, who are they documenting? Maybe the film traveled on those cruises. That's a, oh, so like they shipped it. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, but wouldn't you expect someone accompanying it or, or it's a different person each time, maybe? Gosh, who knows? Yep. Anyone who has any interest or background in film history who may be listening, <laughs> uh, please feel free to reach out if you have any insight into some of these questions. Because this, uh, some of the content of this particular scrapbook is a little bit outside our wheelhouse, to borrow a phrase. Really great example of one that is a beautiful, beautiful scrapbook. 
like you said, well curated and documented and uh, in wonderful condition. The one that I wanted to talk about is a little bit different. Uh, It's not in as great condition, but it still has some interesting significance. It's a donation of two scrapbooks. Technically, one is probably more of a photo album Mm because it's kind of it's kind of like the the one, the Williamson scrapbook that you were talking about, Heather, mm-hmm. where there are photos very well put together and all have annotations and very neat white script talking about who's in it and everything, which is fantastic from from our perspective, right? Like every every photo tells you what's going on in each one and where they are and what's happening. And then the second scrapbook that accompanies it is ephemera that's been like cut up and pasted and some of it is very interestingly put into this scrapbook format where it has you know fold outs oh it's interactive yeah yeah yeah. and and what's great too is that and i've seen that before right where people fold things so that it fits properly in this one he actually has little pasted in directions and little arrows that say oh, fold here fold up here and it's just it's super cute and uh sadly it they are not in great condition bindings falling apart um mm. and they are pasted on you know that old paper like lower quality paper mm-hmm. like not quite as thin as newspaper but that kind of quality you know what i mean so it's brown and it's falling apart and very crumbly so that is an example of the sort of preservation challenges that we could see with our scrapbooks. And indeed, many of our scrapbooks that we are in the process of going through in our backlog uh, are like that, where mm-hmm. they're even a, a trouble, troublesome thing to open up and look at and assess because they're actively crumbling when you open them up. They can be really challenging. It's important to look in them because as we've established with the ones that we've talked about today, they can be really interesting documents of historical and informational value. The particular scrapbooks that I mentioned are interesting, at least to us, because they document the band that was on a ship. The donor, his father, was in this band and... It shows what that experience was like. We have so much material about what it was like to travel on these ships as as a tourist, as a passenger. But these people were working on this ship. And so it shows things like instructions on what they were allowed to do, when they were supposed to play, do not mingle with passengers, that sort of (laughs) victim's rules. We can see what it was like to work and Uh, on board these ships and what sort of rules people were operating under. But obviously they had time also to enjoy themselves and be tourists themselves as this, uh, the photo album demonstrates. So it must've been fun. It looked like a lot of fun. Um, What what kind of music did the band play? That's a good question. I mean, it was thirties, the thirties. Okay. uh, It was probably fun stuff. Uh, They were all young guys and uh, I'm sure they, you know, they had a good time. (laughs) but yeah i'm not sure i haven't looked i've looked through them all but i haven't found any music as of late i'm hoping that we can talk more with the donor and i can get some more either documents or more information from him so we'll see but it's still it's fun stuff and i'm hoping that that's one we can kind of digitize and get out there too 
um, as well as, you know, these. Though, well, maybe not the military one. I don't <laughs> do some research on that one and see what the proper, pro, like, well, protocol is. classified by now. It's yeah. 1943. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. well, then again, yeah. who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love the intimate nature of a scrapbook because it is not just documentation of events, but it's someone actually putting together something that's very meaningful and important to them. So obviously with Lockhead, it was his service and the way he cared and communicated with everyone. And clearly he was really proud of it. And and that's really awesome. So, yeah, I think that's the reason why I just adore scrapbooks. But unfortunately, I do have to set a stopwatch so I don't get completely consumed. It's very easy to fall down a rapid hole with these scrapbooks. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right. So I think that's how we'll wrap it up. But uh, if anyone listening has any questions about the particular scrapbooks we talked about today, if you have some insights into their subject matter or any additions or comments that you would like to contribute, please feel free to reach out. Thanks for listening and hope you tune in again. Thanks for tuning in to Ship History Radio. We hope you join us for future conversations about the wonderful treasures that make up the SSHSA collections. This episode was produced by the Steamship Historical Society of America. Learn more about our organization and request a free copy of Powerships Magazine at sshsa.org.